Have you ever considered the impact your work environment has on your health and your productivity? Enter Uplift Desk, a revolutionary standing desk designed to transform the way you work. And that's just the beginning of what Uplift Desk has to offer. With an emphasis on ergonomics and customization, Uplift Desk offers a solution that caters to the dynamic needs of modern professionals. Whether you're coding, designing, or podcasting, like I am right now, the flexibility to switch between sitting and standing can significantly enhance your focus and vitality. What makes Uplift Desk stand out is not just their commitment to quality and innovation, but also their dedication to creating a healthier workspace. With options to customize from over 100 desktop materials and a plethora of accessories, Uplift Desk ensures that your work setup is uniquely yours, promoting better posture and movement throughout the day. And here's an offer to get you started on a healthier work journey starting today. Go to upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting for 5% off your order. That's upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting to get 5% off your entire order. Your health, your productivity, your future self will thank you. Again, that's upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting and get 5% off your entire order today. Have you ever had that heart-stopping moment when you realized you forgot the password to a critical account? I have, and that's exactly why I switched to 1Password years ago, and honestly, it's been a game-changer. I can't do without 1Password, and I know that if you give it a try, you will feel the same way. And when you support our sponsors, then you support the show. So I encourage you to check out what 1Password has to offer One of the things 1Password has to offer is it combines top-tier security with an award-winning design, making password management a breeze for anyone, anywhere. From the moment I started using 1Password, I said goodbye to the days of resetting passwords and worrying about security breaches. You see, 1Password isn't just about convenience. It's about saving you from the real cost of data breaches and the daily time suck of password resets. It works seamlessly across all your devices, filling in passwords for you so that you can sign in with a click. And the best part, all you need to do is remember one strong password that protects everything else. I've been using 1Password for as long as I can remember. My family is using it. Everyone in this household has bought in. It's, again, a game changer. It's completely transformed how I handle my digital security and my family feels the same way. We've gotten away from using the same passwords again and again and again, or sticky note reminders or having that notebook that says passwords I must remember. Plus, 1Password is trusted by millions, including giants like IBM and Slack. With 1Password, my digital life and my family's digital life is not only more secure, but infinitely simpler. And look, if you've ever been frustrated by a family member constantly asking for passwords, 1Password's secure sharing has been a total relationship saver for me. It's so secure that the Associated Press relies on it in high-risk areas, which means it's more than capable of keeping your digital life safe and streamlined. So why not make the switch? Protect yourself, your family, and your business with 1Password. It's the simple and secure way to manage your digital life. And right now, listeners of A Productive Conversation get a free two-week trial at onepasswordcom slash productive convo. 
That's two free weeks at onepassword.com slash productive convo. Again, onepassword.com slash productive convo. Check out one password. I know you'll fall in love with it like my whole family has. Again, that's onepassword.com slash productive convo for two free weeks. Check it out today. I'm Mike Vardy. Ever caught yourself marveling at the seamless magic of everyday tech, like how noise-canceling headphones block out the world or the sheer bliss of meeting-free Fridays? Now imagine if there was a way to bring that kind of magic into selling online. Well, guess what? There is, and it's called Shopify. From the moment you decide to launch your online shop to opening your first physical store, and even when you're pinching yourself because, yes, you just hit a million orders, Shopify is there to guide your growth. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or the latest productivity tools, Shopify supports you everywhere with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. The checkout, oh, it's a breeze for your customers, converting up to 36% better than other platforms. And with Shopify Magic, your AI-powered assistant, you're selling more with way less effort. And you won't be alone in your Shopify journey because Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., supporting giants like Allbirds and Brooklinen and millions of entrepreneurs across 175 countries. Their award-winning support is always there, making sure businesses that grow, Grow with Shopify, and yours can be one of those businesses. And for those looking to level up, Shopify's endless integrations and third-party apps from on-demand printing to chatbots ensure your business is always ahead of the curve. So what are you waiting for? Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash timecrafting now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash timecrafting. Have you ever looked into fasting and thought, I love the benefits, but I can't go days without eating? Well, that's where Prolon comes in, transforming the fasting experience with a plant-based nutrition program that tricks your cells into thinking they're fasting without actually having to stop eating. Developed through decades of research at the University of Southern California Longevity Institute, Prolon is not just another diet, it's a scientifically backed program designed to support your body's natural processes. Now keep in mind, this isn't about cutting out food, it's about providing your body with the right nutrients to enter a fasting state while still eating. The program includes snacks, soups, and beverages, all carefully designed to support healthy blood sugar levels, cardiovascular health, and even reduce abdominal fat. And the convenience? It's unmatched. Everything you need comes in one box delivered right to your doorstep. Thousands of doctors now recommend Prolon for its health benefits, backed by Nobel Prize winning science. So if you're looking for a way to kickstart your health journey with all the benefits of fasting and none of the hunger, Prolon is the answer. And right now, Prolon is offering a Productive Conversation listeners 10% off their five-day nutrition program. Go to prolonlife.com slash timecrafting. That's P-R-O-L-O-N life.com slash timecrafting for this special offer. Again, that's prolonlife.com slash timecrafting. Check it out today. Ever found yourself deep in a project, your flow state so intense that the world around you just fades away? That's the magic zone where ideas take flight and your work truly comes to life. But what if, in a blink, 
it could all disappear. Hard drives fail, coffee spills, and yes, even the dreaded accidental delete happens. But fear not, because CrashPlan has your back. Don't wait for disaster to strike. Head over to CrashPlan.com slash TimeCrafting now for a free trial and secure your creations with their limited time buy one get one offers. Supporting our sponsors means supporting this podcast, so take a moment to check them out. CrashPlan is the superhero of cloud-based data protection, specifically designed for people like us who live and breathe their digital creations. CrashPlan ensures that every file, every idea, and every piece of hard work is safely backed up and protected. With CrashPlan Professional, you get unlimited backup for your computers, not servers or cloud apps, just pure essential data protection for PC, Mac, and Linux. This means your business plans, designs, music, and documents are continuously encrypted and updated in their secure cloud without you lifting a finger. Imagine this, your laptop takes a dive during a late night work session. With CrashPlan, it's not a disaster, it's just a minor hiccup. Their service runs quietly in the background, safeguarding every change you make every 15 minutes. And if the worst happens, your files are just a few clicks away from being restored with unlimited version retention acting as your personal time machine. For businesses, CrashPlan's multi-tenant capabilities are a game changer. Buy as many licenses as you need, manage them with ease, and let your team or your IT admin restore data seamlessly, saving precious time and resources. So go to CrashPlan.com slash TimeCrafting now to sign up for a free trial and take advantage of one of their limited buy one, get one offers for a productive conversation listeners. That's CrashPlan.com slash TimeCrafting. Back up better with CrashPlan. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. And this is the Productivityist Podcast. Welcome to the Productivities Podcast. I am your host, Mike Vardy, and this week on the show, I have a doctor. Again, I, I like bringing doctors on the show, but this one is a doctor of play. Well, not necessarily play, but uh, she, we do talk about play a lot during this episode, and play with productivity, the balance of work and play, and it's, it's one of the things I thought about as I was putting this episode together is I have this barren fig notebook that's called the Work Play Notebook, and on one side of uh, the page, and, and so if you're looking inside the notebook, there's two pages, and one of them is related to work, and so it's got the doc grid, and the other one is, is blank, so it's related to play. And I find that it's, it's uh, really fitting 
that I bring this up during this episode because Kirsten Milliken has written the book Play DHD, and it's about you know, putting the play back in in you know in your work in your in your life. And for people who are who may you know struggle with with ADHD, and even those who don't, I think that this is the kind of thing that you can you can look at because um, I just really find that that we and I talk about this in the episode is that sometimes you get categorized as someone who has ADHD and I'm not, you know, at all being reductive about what ADHD is. Uh, my old podcast partner had, you know, has ADHD. Ryan McRae, who's been on the show before has ADHD. But what I, what I really wanted to kind of get across here is, is that there has to be an element of play in your work. Uh, it makes life more enjoyable. You have to make time for it. And Kirsten is an advocate of that in a big way. And we talk about this during the show. Uh, we talk about, you know, specifically surrounding ADHD. It comes up quite a bit. You know, the idea of having, managing those symptoms so that you can uh, realize your potential and have fun. Um, you know, have that motivation, that attention that you need. Be, you know, focus, all of that stuff. And just be playful. Having a more playful mindset. And we're just going to dive into it now. Now, if you're a Patreon supporter, uh, you want to listen to the Patreon edition of the show because you're going to get more content. But if not, there's still a lot here for you to enjoy. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Kirsten Milliken, the author of Play DHD, here on the Productivityist podcast. Enjoy. I'd like to welcome Kirsten Milliken to the Productivityist podcast. Kirsten, thanks for joining me today. Oh, Mike, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I think it's time to play. What do you say? I think we should play. It's always time to play (laughs) in my world. So it's fascinating because when when, when you think about productivity, people automatically associate, especially where I'm from in Canada, if you look up productivity, it's all around gross domestic product and and, and efficiency and, and working more. And productivity isn't all about that. And it, 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 it's funny because um, it, it drives me nuts when people say, you know, well, productivity is all based around work. And it's not. I think productivity has its, its, its capabilities and a total uh, integration with, with the element of play as well. And you've got a book that's just come out, uh, Play DHD, right? Yes. And we'll talk about ADHD and play and all that stuff in it. But I want to get in and, and figure out why... Why, how have you made the correlation between, between play and productivity? How have you managed to kind of draw people's attention to that? Because it's it's a hard thing to do. It is. Well, especially for adults. Because, you know, we've all been told that we need to work harder and stop goofing off and all of those things that stick in our brains when, you know, our inclination is to maybe go have a little bit of fun or goof off. Um, our bosses are standing there and telling us, no, that's not the thing to do. But in fact... What a lot of the research is showing and what a lot of companies are catching on to now is the fact that when we're playing, we're actually activating our brains, the dopamine system in our brains, um, in a way that helps us to be more creative, more open to different solutions, uh, more energized, focused, attentive, um, able to problem solve. Um, and just in a, in a better mood. So not only are you getting people who are then, maybe producing better work, but they're also less likely to be sick if they're feeling healthier and happier. So a lot of companies like IDEO and Google, and there's, there's numerous other ones, have really latched on to the idea that by integrating the concept of play or playfulness into the work environment, that they, that they really capitalize on 
much better work from their employees. Now, for those people who are not in in a large organization or an organization that, that's embraced this kind of thing, uh, I'm looking at one of the blog posts that you've you've talked <laughs> about, which is the "Don't Lose the Day Plan to Play." Yeah, and and one of the things that I've done is I theme my days. And I know that, that that's something that's worked for me by saying that Saturday is family day. So therefore, I know that that's all associated around play. In fact, this past week, that's pretty much what we did. We did board games and, and so on and so forth and had a great time with it. But because I've structured that time, I think it's really important. You talk about that as well. It, it, but you, how deep do you go into this? Like, how deep do you think people need to say, okay, you know what? I'm really over overdoing it in the work element. I need to structure some time for play. Where do you recommend people get started? I mean, first of all, reality is, you know, we we don't have our old-fashioned work and regular life separation anymore. It used to be you go to work from 9 to 5, you come home, and that was your time. But we all know that that doesn't happen anymore. So it becomes even more important that we really have not work-life balance anymore, but work-life integration. And that means carrying through some of your playfulness, your positive attitude um, into work as well as into your personal life. I will, just as an example, I just had a, the book release as a matter of fact, and, and people were asking, you know, where do you get started? And I said, you know, I created this thing for myself, Play DHD, where my whole focus had to be on play. And I didn't start from that. I mean, we, you know, we talk about the fact, especially as entrepreneurs, that we all do the work that we need to do, you know, for other people that we need to do for ourselves. And certainly this came about at a time when my life was not really that playful. Um, I was working really hard, long hours. But when I decided that this was going to be my new focus, all of a sudden, everything around me, I kind of looked at with a different lens. So you know, conversations that I might have thought were ridiculous, inane, boring, whatever, at some point became kind of interesting and playful um, activities that maybe at some point I would have said, yeah, I don't really want to do that, whatever. I I was using the, the old improv exercise of saying yes to, you know, everything and seeing what would come of things. And I mean, I jumped in with both feet. Obviously, that may not be realistic for everybody. Most people, ha- especially adults, again, have a little bit of trepidation about taking on that persona of being more playful because they're professionals or, you know, maybe they have a serious group of friends or whatever. Um, but finding opportunities. So one of the things that I suggest in the book as a starting point is to figure out what your play personality is. Um, Dr. Stuart Brown wrote about play personalities. He had eight of them. I think there's nine in my book. Um, but figuring out what your play personality is. And one of the ways to do that is to think about how you played as a kid. So Mike, what do you remember about playing as a kid? What was your favorite thing to do? The first thing you mentioned is, um, when I think of that is I used to collect hockey cards and what I would Mm. do is I would make the teams out of the hockey cards. So I would do, I'd be in my room. Uh, and it's reminding me how my son is too. My son likes to play by himself. And, yep. and I, I, I was in my room and I would organize <laughs> the cards by teams and in divisions and I would have them facing it, face each other and kind of leapfrog each other for playoff spots and things like that. I also do the same thing with, um, remember when we used to listen to top 40 countdowns and stuff like oh, that on the radio? Casey Kasem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I used to make like, you know, I used to have all my tapes 
and I would do the same thing. I would create like my own top 10 or top 40 countdown. And it yeah. was it was one of the things I really enjoyed enjoyed doing. I mean, a lot of kids would flip hockey cards around and play, you know, and, and so they would end up trading cards with one another. I wanted to yeah. hold on to mine because I wanted to make sure I had a whole team that could go against another team. So that's nice. one of the things I used to do. So one of the play personalities is actually the collector. So whether it's collecting cards or collecting buttons or collecting experiences, um, that's one way to play. <laughs> I, st- I still collect. I have all this Green Lantern stuff as I'm I looking at it right now. I was about to ask, but you may not collect hockey cards, but what do you collect now? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, and it sounds like a little bit of that is rubbed off on your son as well. Totally. Yeah. So oftentimes, though, you know, a lot of times we'll find that parents and kids have similar play types, but a lot of times we'll find that they have very different play types. And I'm sure among your friends, too, you find that they maybe are not all into collecting. They may like to do other things. And so oftentimes we're kind of tested because if we're going to play with our friends, we have to do things that they're going to enjoy as well as things that we're going to enjoy. So that opens us up to a whole world of different kinds of play. Most people are not just one type of player. So, you know, we have play personality types like the artist, the creator, um, the jokester, the storyteller, uh, the director, the performer. All of these are different play types. And um, the competitor or the kinesthete is another one. So a lot of times you'll find people who really enjoy a lot of movement and dance and things like that. And that might also be integrated. The, the kinesthete who likes movement might also be um, also a competitive play type. So they might not only like to be moving, but be on in sports that have teams that are against one another. Um, so all kinds of combinations of play types and all kinds of ways to, to play if you know what your play type is. And so when it comes to planning that kind of stuff out, I mean, you mentioned motivation and getting motivated. I, I'm yeah. reading some of your work, like motivation is, is a tricky one, especially when you're talking to, you know, I mean, now we're shifting over to talk a little bit about ADHD is, you know, I mean, to get to get motivated, there's tasks that we don't enjoy doing and, and have a difficult time playing with. And then there's other ones that we just find complete joy and, and, and love to mold and shape and how does that affect not just maybe not just ADHD uh, people who are who are uh, you know who have ADHD but also in general like when you're coming to across a task or something that isn't motivating at all how right. do you turn it into something because you know you need to do it, it, it especially in some of those situations how do you convert it so it's something that you can find some joy out of so it doesn't seem as taxing to you as you try to you know yeah. push it forward. Well, first of all, you're right in that it's not just people with ADHD. I think we all struggle at times with attention and motivation. Just people with ADHD, often it's more apparent and it can be more of a struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of my favorite heroes around play is Mary Poppins. And if you remember the scene, she says, in every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. You find the fun and snap, the job's a game. So oftentimes what we're doing is figuring out, first of all, if you know what your play type is and you can identify the task that maybe seems to be unpleasant, you can figure out what kind of play can you integrate into that activity. So one of the biggest challenges in April is people doing taxes, right? I know very few people who really enjoy doing taxes. A few of them I know, they're just weird. But, <laughs> right? but if 
I, but I will tell you that a lot of my friends enjoy having tax parties. It's, it's something that they actually look forward to every year. So taxes aren't just this horrible thing that they're dreading. It's an opportunity to get together with their friends and have a party. So my friend Sarah Kesty says, you can take anything and turn it into a party and it makes it fun. And that's true for taxes as well. So that's, you know, if you have other people to do something with, you can turn it into a party. If it's only going to be you, it might be turning it into a party by turning on the music. Um, I give the example over and over again that I hate cleaning my house because I honestly really hate cleaning my house. Um, But when I have to do it, it means I either have to have somebody else who's about to arrive so I need my house clean or I have to turn on the music and have some fun. So finding ways to make less enjoyable tasks more enjoyable. Um, Sometimes it's more subtle, like if you have to do some kind of filing, using colored folders, the the energy that you get from just having those different colors, or instead of, you know, writing labels out, maybe making some um, picture labels by using your computer, just being a little bit more creative and doing something that's boring can also make things a little bit more interesting. Yeah, I found yeah. that color is absolutely uh, huge for, for, for me in that it, it just creates an anchor. You know, it creates this sensory yep. anchor for me that's like, okay, I know that this green color means productivity is because that's my brand. So that's related to that. Orange is personal. Like I have very specific colors that I use to align with certain roles yeah. that I have. Do you find that, that that that's important for, again, people who, who have ADHD as well as, I mean, again, and I think a lot of people misconstrue or either maybe maybe they don't. But I mean, I know that I was, uh, it's funny, I was, uh, I thought I had ADHD. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went to my, my doctor said, uh, uh, he went and said, you just immediately prescription, immediate right. prescription. Right. And it turns, it, it turned out that I went and saw a couple other people and they said, you, you don't have it. You just have a lot going on. <laughs> you do like, yeah. you, like they yeah. said, you're, you're not, you're not, you have no problem with, with the, you, you have some elements of it, but it's only because you've taken on so much. Do right. people get confused with, with that? Because the, the immediate thought is I, I can't focus on anything. So I must have ADHD. Like that's, that's, and I think that's a misnomer, right? Absolutely. One of the challenges these days, because we have so much to focus on with all the screens and all the, you know, everybody trying to do more in less time and, um, you know, the competition, especially for kids uh, of having to be engaged in so many different activities that they're competitive when they go to college and what have you. Um, I think that all of that pressure and all the stimulation that's going on around us definitely creates the illusion sometimes of people having um, ADHD when it's more of an external factor as opposed to their brain wiring being different. So um, it is a challenge. And there are a lot of other things that can create um, the sa- similar symptoms. Um, and it's something that anybody who's looking to get diagnosed needs to make sure that it's not just a 10 item checklist that they're going through with their primary care physician, but that they're actually going to a professional who knows how to differentiate between some of the other things that can look like ADHD. So when it comes to, um, ADHD and ADD, I, I've, we talked before we started recording about Rick Green, and I yeah. watched, I mean, a Canadian, fellow Canadian, uh, and I, I watched, my wife and I watched the program, the the eight, Totally AD, ADD program with yeah. him and Patrick, and really well done, and um, lists, 
lists came up and my wife's like, you yeah. love lists. Yeah, absolutely. That was, oh. she started to put these things together. I'm like, well, let's not get, I go, I love lists, but I'm a productivity <laughs> strategist. So of course hey. I love lists. It's what I teach people. But one of the things that I, that I, that I want to touch on is the idea of the right types of lists. Exactly. Because I think that what happens is, and this happens with people getting things done methodology, which is a great productivity methodology, not for everybody, but it's it's been widely touted. And I know David Allen, and, and I think it's a fantastic tool for, for some people. Yeah. But there gets to a point where there's only, almost too many lists. When you're dealing yeah. with somebody that's either that you, you've, anyone, it doesn't matter whether, I mean, I would imagine there's probably differentiating factors. But when, you, when you're trying to encourage them to say, hey, make a list, what are the elements of a list that you want to see, you know, in that list, as opposed to, how many lists they make or whatever. Like when you're looking at this and helping somebody cope with all the things they've got going on, what do you recommend they do in terms of putting a list together? There are a few things. Um, actually, so one of the chapters in the book is called Plan to Play. And one of the things they talk about with some of my clients is that they need to start their to-do lists with the things that they want to do that are activating to them or playful to them, right? Mm-hmm. So if you know this week you're going to have family day, you want to make sure that that's on your list for the week. Um, and you want to make sure then that it's in your calendar for the week. Because um, one thing that I know is that I can make lists all day long. But if I don't assign a specific time and day to do those activities, they usually don't get done. Right, Because there's always something else sparkly or more interesting or whatever, you know, during my day that will capture my attention. But if I have it written into my calendar, then I'm more likely to do it. So I have so I encourage people, though, to first start with their list of what kind of fun activities would they like to do during the week? What are their obligations that they have to do during the day and and during the week? Um, And how can they combine some of those things? So you want to make sure, again, that there's a good integration so that some of the work activities can be done maybe in a playful setting, maybe your bathtub instead of at your desk Mm -hmm. um, or with some music on instead of sitting in silence. Um, And that you're also either front loading or at least planning during your week to have some playful activities that are motivating to you to kind of get you through some of the more difficult stuff. And I do talk about... um, using those play activities to front load a lot of times. If you know that you've got a long, boring task that's going to be happening, say, tomorrow at 3 o'clock, and it's really going to be difficult for you to get started, to feel motivated, and to maybe stick with it, you want to make sure and plan some time before you have to sit down to do something that's going to be playful, that's going to be, again, activating the dopamine system in your brain so that the frontal lobe area, which is where your executive functions are, are kind of prepared and help you to get started with the project and to be able to persevere as you go through this long, maybe boring, potentially boring task. Um, Taking breaks, it's also important to put that into your to-do list and into your planner um, when you've got longer tasks to do. And those breaks need to be something that, again, are triggering um, the dopamine so that you, you know, you're not just getting up and maybe playing a game on the computer just to waste the time. Um, but that you're actually doing something like maybe taking a walk out into the grass or um, telling a joke to a friend, you know, having a good laugh, something that kind of gets your juices going, if you want to say it that way. 
Would you consider meditation a form of play? This just came to me as I'm sitting there. I'm like, you know, because meditation is one of those things that I think is, is we don't, when we take breaks, I think that's one of the things we can do to kind of do a reset. You know, yeah. do, do you consider it to be a form of play? I think that there are forms of meditation that are absolutely playful because one of, you know, some of the aspects of play are very similar to mindfulness or meditation, which is being very present focused, um, being, you know, allowing whatever happens to happen and kind of going with the flow. Um, feeling like there's no, you know, you can't really fail at it. You're just observing and allowing things to happen. Um, so there is some playful aspects to meditation. I think when you're first getting started, it maybe doesn't always feel so playful. (laughs) No, no. Um, but, but, but there's tools like headspace and that, that are trying to make it more playful too. I think that, that we're seeing, and I've noticed this with even the task management tools out there and calendar tools. I've got this calendar tool called free time that I use and it doesn't, it, it tells you every day how much free time you have. Now that might be a bit of a scary thought for someone with AD, right. ADHD because like, Oh, what There's am I going to do with that? Thing as free time. <laughs> but, but we're seeing some really innovative things done with technology in the space. I mean, you've got some stuff that you've listed on your website, such as the time timer, right? Which is, right. which is, which is, Kind of, you know, I mean, again, there's there's this idea that the Pomodoro technique is another one, you know, you have the tomato yep. timer, all that. Like you're seeing these interesting ways for people to to monitor their time and to and not only that, but but be more intentional with it. And I think that's really the goal with play, too. I'm, I'm a big believer in I mean, right now, my kids, you can, might even be able to hear them outside. Uh, it's a professional development day for them. So they just got home from the park and there the propensity to be for me to want to be able to go out and play with them is is strong but i also know that family time doesn't start till you know till 5:30 for me today so that's scheduled in there now i now are you adamant about what like are you specific with the stuff that goes in your calendar so does it you have like send these emails or do you have work be in email mode or be in play mode like how specific do you recommend people go i will tell you so i do have adhd and one of the things when you have adhd is you know this week it might be that i need to get so specific about you know i'm going to send five emails between this time and this time and next week i might abandon that all together and do it differently so So you need the flexibility in there basically absolutely you need to have flexibility but you have to make sure that you still have a plan for yourself so i can't just say you know i'm I'm not going to get to my emails i don't have any plan to get to emails because honestly i won't unlike a lot of people i don't feel that they're that urgent so 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 the calendar so the calendar can act as a as a as a trigger right Right. and then if you do have a to-do list which you you have a to-do list right that you look at I have a to-do list, but it's always put into my calendar. So I, what my so the tasks are right there next to right, it. Okay. So my strategy is like a brain dump of mm-hmm. everything that needs to get done. And then I add to that during the day. But then all of that has to get moved into a calendar and assigned to a time and day. Right. See, for me, uh, I've got my calendar that gives me my daily themes, which are which act as anchors. They're those, yep. okay, that's what I know I need to do. And then... Um, there obviously are the date specific appointments, very getting things done centric where I know that I'm meeting with some, but like, for example, right, right. now, you know, like that's it. That's a date specific. <laughs> I show up at six o'clock in the evening. We my both time showed up on time Ex- today. That was so impressive. Exactly. Well, I mean, what do you get? I mean, <laughs> I think, I think it was a, a <laughs> foregone conclusion that you and I would probably show up on time. Um, but, but then what I do is I do have my task management application, which is separate from my calendar that gives me the specifics. So if I'm looking at like, 
like today is writing mode day, right? Like it's my writing day um, because it's Monday. I will then look at my tasks and my task list and see which ones I've assigned the tag writing. So that way I know that I'm not going to be distracted or diverted by those shiny other things such as read this book or, you know, do whatever. It's I want to look at what writing tasks I have to do. So I give my brain fewer decisions to make, which it sounds like that's pretty much what you have to do as well. Absolutely. The fewer decisions I have to make, the better. I mean, even to the point of, yes, if I'm going to go to the gym in the morning, I have to make sure that my clothes are out the night before so that in the morning it's not a decision of going or not. And where are my clothes? My clothes are there and I'm going. <laughs> that, that's actually, that brings up a really interesting point. How important, I mean, I, I believe that, that morning and evening routines are critical for anybody. Yes. How important are they for, for people who uh, you know, struggle with ADHD as well? I think routines, period, are really important. Yeah. Um, for the, yeah. So, and, and morning and evening are, are kind of easy um, time frames mm-hmm. because, you they're know. Bo- they're bookends of the day, they, right? They are bookends and, you know, we know that getting into bed is the last thing we're doing. And so we can kind of, you know, move backwards from that spot to what we're going to do before that. And the same thing with waking up in the morning. You can go forward from that, from that moment when you know you're getting up. Um, whereas the, mil- the rest of the day is, can often be a hodgepodge unless you have specific routines that are already set. So I think that exactly as you're saying, making sure that you have routines at the beginning and end of your day and a lot of them around making plans um, to, to get your to-do list done, to focus on your themes um, or, you know, to have fun. Make sure you have fun. Do you plan the night before? Or do you plan the morning of, or do you plan at both times in case things have changed between you going to bed and waking up the next day? Um, right now, my plan is supposed to be playing with my dogs. Can you hear my puppy <laughs> in the background? He's very insistent that we, I come we have, out and play. You have your dogs, I have my kids in the background. It's working out real nice. <laughs> it's working out really great. <laughs> my little Frenchie is very insistent on playing with me many times. Well, you have snow outside right now, which I find fascinating so, in Portland, oh, Maine. Yes, I'm finding it fascinating, too. It was 70 degrees three days ago, and now we have snow. And and we're I'm on the west coast, you know, closer to the other Portland, and it's, right. it's sunny and and you know, yeah, we're doing pretty well over here. I can't believe the weather is acting the way it is. But yeah, I mean, do you so you know, basically, like when it comes to routines, do you start like, did you slowly build your routines up, or did you have a like, how far along do you routinize your day? Because, I mean, I know that I have a specific routine that's got about five things in the morning and about three things in the evening. But initially, it only had three things in the morning, and I slowly added to them because I had a bit more flexibility and wanted to have a bit more of a, like, you know, I wanted to make sure I read every morning for twenty five minutes. I never used to do that. I want to make sure that you know I, I maybe go go for my morning walk on Sundays, which I never used to do. Like, do you? Have you added to your routines over time, or is it just something that you are you, do you try to keep them as basic as possible? Um, definitely adding to them, and, and again, always changing things. So mm. um, we just recently started using Blue Apron, which is a the new food to your home kind of thing. And so on on uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, my younger son and I now cook these meals together, whether or not there's something he wants to eat or not. He likes cooking, and so. N- we have this new routine now that got built around a new thing that we decided to try. Um, it happens to arrive on Thursday night. So that kind of helped us to set this routine for ourselves. So sometimes there are external events that kind of trigger what our habits and routines are going to be. And then other times, um, like going to the gym. I've tr- I used to go to the gym every morning at 6 o'clock. I stopped for a while because of some injuries and illnesses. 
I then set my schedule because I do have a, a job um, part time. I tried to schedule it so I would go in the afternoon. I'm finding that afternoons do not work for me. So now I'm going to go back to my morning schedule and hope that that kind of works for me again. So sometimes it's playing around with things, setting that priority. As you said, you know what your theme is. You may not know, you know, moment to moment during the day what you're going to be doing within that theme, but you know that you're going to fit those things in. And so the same thing is true, I think, for for myself and for a lot of my clients and friends that you know, we set what our intentions are. We want to eat healthy. And how are we going to build a routine around making sure that we shop um, to get the foods that we want and we plan our meals and maybe we spend time, you know, with our family doing the cooking um, or maybe we cook extra and freeze it so that we have that um, for the meals during the week, um, going to the gym. And then, of course, getting work done, doing your writing and maybe your reading and doing your marketing and all of all of those good things have got to fit in. So um, depending on what's going on, the more um, they become routine or habits and get put into certain spots during the, the week, the more likely they are to happen. Well, I'm going to definitely put into the show notes the fact that you also have uh, an article at Totally ADD where it says how to write a book when you have ADHD because you just finished a book. I did. <laughs> well, you didn't finish it, it's been published. And you did. <laughs> so I think that that's, um, it, it's, you know, I've had a blast talking today, Kirsten. I mean, and, I, and I'm looking forward. So you're doing a talk at the National Association of Professional Organizers Conference. I am. Four, four, four play. Is that what it's, or is it four? How do you? No, like, it's uh, getting shit done. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. <laughs> they just wouldn't let you put that in the title. Um. <laughs> Did they not let us? I don't remember. If they let it us says four four play the secret ingredient to ADHD motivation. <laughs> but well, it was originally titled "How to Get shit Done." Well, and at the end, it does say learn how to identify demotivating tasks and create a personalized plan of action to help your clients get S triple asterisk done. So, so I guess that's probably they why they reworded it. For us. They reworded it for us. That's good to know. So, um. I, I hope I'm going to be able to check that out. I I'm, may have to move my flights around. And and frankly, you know what? It's funny. Um, I was at my doctor's the other day, and he's a he loves he loves hearing about where I travel. And he said, "Oh, you're going to Atlanta. You have to do this." And I, and I said, "Well, my wife like I'm only there for a couple of days. I, actually, I'm in and out, not even a couple of days." And he said, "Well, as your doctor, I don't advise you to travel so quickly after getting there. And I think you nice. need at least two days." So I said, well, if you want to give me a doctor's note to give my wife, I can show you her. I can take pictures of her tearing it up in front. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see. I mean, uh, it uh, May is I'm, – I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So Adam, I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting Adam. And I strongly encourage everybody to check out this book, um, Play DHD. And and uh, I love anybody who can do a portmanteau too, because productivity <laughs> is a portmanteau. Play DHD, total portmanteau. It's there fantastic. You go. There you and, go. And uh, it came out suitably on April Fool's Day. It did. We planned that. It was so much fun. So <laughs> absolutely. And I just also want to tell you, being a doctor is a beautiful thing. So I also will give anybody who's looking on my site or who gets the book a prescription to play from myself, Doctor Milliken so that you can bring that to whoever will accept it um, as proof that it really is something that you should be doing all the time. 
Awesome, awesome. Thanks so much for joining me today. Where can people find you uh, on the I know we got the website in there, but Twitter and yep. all that stuff? Yep, so I'm on PlayDHD.com. I'm on Twitter at PlayDHD, Facebook PlayDHD. Um, and, of course, you can Google me because there's nobody else in the world that has the word PlayDHD in their title. So. <laughs> Thanks again for joining me, Kirsten. Thanks, Mike. You know... This was a great conversation to have. I can't wait to see Kirsten at, at uh, in Atlanta when we're speaking at the same event. But one of the things that I wanted to really make sure I got across was was the idea that play is so... If we spend all of our, our time working and, and don't set aside that, like for me, that themed family day is, is all about play. The family time that I have once I'm get once my kids get home from school, and actually as I'm recording this closing, uh, they're getting out of school early today, so I only have about an hour left of time to really get down to work. So it's giving me this focused work time that that I that I need. Whether you have ADHD or not, it's really important to make time for play, schedule it in some form or another. Whether you want to get really regimented with it in your calendar or whether you want to, uh, you know, have more of a themed component to it, but. I strongly suggest you pick up Kirsten's book, Play DHD. Uh, as we're recording this, it is en route to my home, so I can't wait to dig into it. I'm reading a lot more lately, and I'll have more thoughts on it in a future episode, likely in one of the bonus episodes that are exclusive to Patreon supporters. So if you're interested in supporting the show, uh, having the capability to check out some of the perks we have to offer, and supporting the show in, in a monetary fashion, you can do so by going to patreon.com productivityist. If you can't do that or are not able to do that, then another way that you can support the show is by sharing the show far and wide. You can share it via social media, but another great way to do it is to rate or review the show or rate and review the show in iTunes or your podcast home or aggregator of choice. That way people can find it and we can get more people listening to the show. If you have recommendations for guests, that kind of thing can come through there as well. So, and I, I read all the feedback that I'm getting on on iTunes and, and elsewhere to make sure that I can make the show better because uh, that's my goal. I want to help more people, and the people I have on the show also want to do the same. That's it for this week's episode of the podcast. I am your host, productivity strategist and founder of Productivityist Mike Vardy, reminding you to stop guessing and start going.